You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. Here's part two. You probably just heard me talking about part one. If you're just clicking on part two for whatever reason, maybe you just want to hear the Ravens picks. Completely understandable. I get it. You're a true fan. But we're going to pick this up. If you want to hear the first part, obviously, it's right there on your podcast feed here. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, whatever you use to listen to your podcast for uh, us talking about the Orlando Brown trade and picks one to 16. But here we're going to pick it up with Antonio, who has pick Number 17. Tim, I was a little nervous that you were going to take a player that the Raiders just absolutely need at 17. Uh, because the Raiders have made some moves this offseason that are sort of, <laughs> you know, maybe questionable, but there has to be some sort of reason for it. They first traded their right guard, Gabe Jackson, to Seattle. And then they turned around and traded their right tackle, Trent Brown, to the Pats. And they just don't really have a right side of the offensive line. So there's an obvious hole there uh, to protect Derek Carr and then to open up holes for Josh Jacobs. And we, as the Raiders, I, I say we now, are thrilled that Elijah Vera Tucker is still on the board, the guard out of USC. He is the absolute tonic that the Raiders need, and he's still available at 17, so they jump all over him. And uh, now they only need to fill one of those spots on the offensive line. I love. I mean, you mentioned the Raiders are a, just a fascinating franchise from top to bottom, and everything they do, and the uh, offensive line trades this offseason, no exception. I think, I think they'd be over the moon if Vera Tucker falls to them. I think that's an excellent pick, uh, Antonio. And and now, as we enter the late teens, this is where this is where things start to get difficult. I am I'm, I'm admittedly scrambling right now. I, I'll take you behind the curtain. I have no idea what's coming with my the, next. The pick. Dolphins. The Dolphins have needs, and in my head, I was like, you know, amongst their biggest needs, wide receiver. But now we're into the second tier of wide receivers, and I don't know. If, you know, if they look to there as, because this is their second, you know, first round pick. And if they, they view wide receiver as a, a glaring enough need that they have to take one. Or if we start chipping away at the defensive lineman who we, uh, has, we, we mentioned it, I believe on last show, um, just every defensive lineman somehow has a red flag. Uh, in this uh, cycle um, and so I'm very conflicted I, but so I think what I'm going to do is because it, it's so necessary I think I think they're gonna be focused on Tua I think they're gonna believe that Brian Flores can figure it out on defense and so I think they will take and a guy who's been linked to the Ravens a lot, Terrace Marshall, wide receiver out of LSU. Wow. Um, wow. I, he, I am not in love with it. I was between him and Bateman. Um, but, you know, it's just, 
Marshall's a guy, and maybe I'm giving him to the Dolphins because I don't want to draft him with the Ravens pick in 10 picks, but, um, you know, he's a guy, he just scares me a little bit, but, you know, I I think this, I I feel like I'm rambling, this seems like basically I settled on wide receiver, I would not be shocked if they trade, they trade down on this pick either, Uh, you know, having a first round pick, and like you mentioned, if a guy like a Devonta Smith is falling and a team like, say, the Baltimore Ravens get desperate, this might be a pick that, um, you know, the Dolphins, having already picked six overall, might be willing to part with. But for now, we'll settle on Terrace Marshall, a solid, if, you know, unspectacular receiver out of LSU. But we are, I think the, the A-plus guys are gone at the receiver ranks already, and there's just nothing but question marks, which... As a Ravens fan who, with a team that needs a wide receiver, <laughs> concerns me a little bit. Yeah, there could be an argument there, though, that maybe then you wait. Because, you know, wide receiver has just become this position because of the way the game has grown at the youth levels. And high school, college, 7-on-7, seven seven, whatever it is, that they're everywhere. And I think we've had 13 drafted in the last uh, two rounds last year. We're going to have something like that drafted, or the first two rounds, excuse me. And we're going to have something like that in these first two rounds this year as well. Um, all right, I'm up with the football team. And the football team have some issues here because I was looking at Elijah Vera Tucker. No surprise, Antonio stole my pick. I was looking at um, – you, you don't want to do defensive line help. Mac Jones maybe falling to 19. He, he went at 9. Uh, so he is long gone now. The football team have some decent – some strengths. Wide receiver clearly a strength for them. They don't need to upgrade that in the first round. Offensive line, a little bit of a question, but I don't know if I'm reaching for any of the guys that are there yet. But corner is also an issue. And I'm going to take my second corner of the draft after picking with the 10th overall pick, J.C. Horn for the Cowboys, going with their direct rival. And I'm going to take Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. They don't have to go far to find this guy. 6'1", 197 pounds. He did deal with a back injury, which is had him fall down uh, some big boards and some mock drafts and things, but outside of the injury, basically a plug and play starter on day one. Uh, currently Kendall Fuller and William Jackson, the third are the starters there for, for the football team. They could probably upgrade that. We're not going to go to the edge rushers yet, because if there's one thing that I should have mentioned at the very start of this, that the football team doesn't need it's defensive line help. They probably have the best defensive line in the league, if not very close to it, in my opinion, Linebacker, they could also use a linebacker, but again, Micah Parsons and Awusa Kuramura, I'm never going to get that right, Kuramura are off the board, so there's, you know, there's no reason to reach for a guy, say, uh, who is the guy out of, Zaven Collins, excuse me, the linebacker out of Tulsa, there's no reason to reach for that, so instead, I take a little bit of a boomer bust guy if he can recover from the back injury, Caleb Farley is a solid starter for them out of Virginia Tech, Uh, so plug him in there at 19. I like that, Tim, and he was a guy, you know, before kind of these health issues sort sort of started to become red flags, was, um, if not Sertan, probably going to be the second cornerback off the board. So, really solid pick, and I think Washington be, you know, plenty happy if they can land him there, and he's medicals all check out. All right, I'm drafting at 20 with the Chicago Bears. The Bears. Ah, uh, the Chicago Bears. Here are my notes on them for today's episode. They won eight games. They lost eight games. Trubisky looked good one quarter. He looked terrible the next quarter. They scored 23 points per game last season. They gave up 23 points per game. (laughs) They solved their mediocrity by adding Andy Dalton as their starting quarterback. Wait a minute. That can't can't be right. uh, They did do that. No, they did. Andy Dalton is QB1, as we said earlier. It's very strange. I feel like he is the definition of 8-8, eight and eight, and now they'll go either 8-9 and nine or 9-8. Nine and eight. So the Bears need difference makers, and they have a couple of different needs. Uh, I was looking at cornerbacks. So, Tim, if, this, if you like this a little bit, um, you took one of the guys that the Bears were looking at with Caleb Farley as cornerback to replace Kyle Fuller, who's a pro bowler, all pro, who the Bears cut uh, as a sort of a salary cap you know, cutting measure. So Kyle Fuller no longer there. But I don't think, with Farley off the board, I don't think the Bears reach, and I think they just sort of turn and say, let's get just a dude, a top dude who's on the board right now. 
the fans of Chicago are probably going to boo because this guy is not at a position of need, and the Bears actually have a lot of studs at his position, but Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle out of Alabama, is a dog, and he just seems he seems like a Chicago Bear. He seems like a guy, he's like a mauling, violent defensive lineman, 6'4", 3'10". I just see him playing 10 years for the Bears. They have Akeem Hicks, they have Eddie Goldman, uh, Khalil Mack, obviously, he's more of a the linebacker for them, but uh, it just seems like the right fit, and I don't think the Bears sort of stretch down into some of the other corners where they can get one in, in other rounds, so they take one of the top defensive prospects in this draft, Christian Barmore, out of Alabama, at 20. I mean, I am guilty of bias, I guess, but I love Alabama defensive tackles. I feel like there's just such a baseline of solid competence at the NFL level for all these guys. I mean, you know, oh, yeah, had, Terrence uh, Cody, he played five years. <laughs> what, what a <laughs> <Whatever. sort of. laughs> Yeah. Uh, Cody, Courtney Upshaw. I mean, like say what you want about those guys. They played, they start Upshaw started like, you know, and, uh, and I, I think obviously Barmore, I think is probably more in the mold of a, a Jonathan Allen type than a, uh, not quite that good probably coming out, but he, he was the anchor of their defensive line. He's clearly their best, um, you know, front pretty much front seven player um, for Alabama and wreaked some havoc come playoff time. So against some of the best teams. So I, I love that pick, Antonio. Uh, I, I like Christian Barmore a lot. And uh, I'm glad he made it in our first round because I, I haven't seen him in every mock in the first, but I think he deserves to go there. Um, the Colts are an interesting team because they remain a competent squad that seems just short of putting it all together to win a title. They now import Carson Wentz to replace Phil Rivers, who was a one-year stopgap after another one-year stopgap of Jacoby Brissett following the sudden retirement of Andrew Luck. Um, So their quarterback issues seemingly resolved. They do need a left tackle. Anthony Costanzo retired. But I really don't know that, you know, a lot of the guys on the tackle side of things on the board – you're looking at more kind of right tackles. Alex Leatherwood is on the board, but you know, he, he, I don't know. His grade's been kind of mixed. You, I haven't seen him a ton in the first round. Seems like it would be a little bit of a reach. Um, but the Colts are a smart franchise, and I think they just have done a pretty good job the last few years just drafting kind of a, a best player available um, mantra of sorts. And so I think it's time for some of these defensive linemen to start flying off the board. So we are going with Pay. Edge rusher slash defensive tackle slash lineman from the University of Michigan. Um, not the most overwhelming stats ever, but he projects, you know, he's one of the highest rated uh, kind of defensive lineman guys on the board in this draft. Um, you'd, I, would, I would love more production at the college level. It always concerns me a little bit to project some of these guys and some guys do take the leap you know jj watt got a lot better in the nfl than he was in college but other guys you know uh it it, it's hard to just make the jump if you can't produce high double digit sack numbers in college that you're ever going to do it in the pros and obviously with you know how fast quarterbacks get the ball out and stuff pressure rates becoming more important than sack numbers but we've reiterated given our stance on sacks numerous times on this program before so i don't love quidipe but i think he's a solid player or uh and kind of i think in that colts uh you know front and defense can be a really solid addition off the edge especially when they have big uh deforce bunkner in the in the middle there just you know taking up double teams and uh causing all kinds of trouble so i think quitty pay it seems like a close to a best uh, player available and helps it in an area the colts definitely need depth on yeah and, and i again admittedly i was before the show i was talking to jason like what is quitty pay like is he is he a straight up pass rusher is he more of a like a guy who plays inside and and jason's kind of like well you know does a lot of it all of it to some <laughs> capacity and when you said defensive lineman I was like, again, you know, I, I I know I'm not very good at this, but I think I had some guys scouted in particular positions. And then you said somebody that I wasn't going to pick for my next pick, the Tennessee Titans. Now, if it's the Tennessee Titans, as a Ravens fan, I should just go, 
oh, uh, the time went out and we're not going to make a selection and just move on <laughs> because Tennessee Titans are deplorable and nobody should root for them. But I am, again, another year for the Titans where they need some edge help. Uh, obviously, they need some corner help, too, with just a deplorable passing defense that they had last year. And then Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson both leaving the team. So maybe I go corner again, but instead I'm going to go in terms of rushing the passer to help those cornerbacks and whoever's back there in the defensive backfield. And for me, this it's so hard. This pass rushing class, and we've talked about it a little bit, and you know everybody that's a little bit smarter than us in terms of the draft has talked about it a number of times, but it's so hard to figure out who you like out of these pass rushers. Who's the number one guy? There's no Chase Young. There's no Von Miller. There's no absolute stud at that level so who do we go with for me i'm going with going with the guy who had nine and a half sacks last year was the defensive mvp in his bowl game and that's azizo jelari out of georgia uh just no pun intended an absolute dog off the edge who can get after the quarterback produce those numbers is efficient against the run as well and you bring in a young guy instead of bringing in the Jadavion Clowney that they did last year to immediately start, especially in pass rushing situations, and get after the quarterback. This one hurts, Tim. He was one of my. I, 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 I think. Ojolari, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it could just be, you know, bias. You, know, you watch Georgia. I watch Georgia football games probably a lot more than some of the. Certainly, I watch Georgia more than Michigan. They played more games. They were in more primetime games, bigger games. Um, because Michigan won like two games last year. <laughs> but, Shout out. Uh, um. But yeah, this this is a solid pick and a guy I really would love in a perfect world to be around for the Ravens pick because I think he would be just such a good option uh, with one of their first round picks, uh, you know, an outside uh, as NFL.com uh, uh, describes him fully grown three, four outside linebacker with NFL ready strength and impressive explosiveness. That's what the Ravens did after letting one Matt Judon walk. So uh, I, I, I like that pick for them. Obviously, they were very bad at sacking the quarterback, like historically bad. So, um, But don't forget, the reason they're picking 22nd and can steal this pick from the Ravens is because the Ravens beat them in Tennessee, in the playoffs, sent them home. Derrick Henry, 40 yards. What about it? Ravens. Playoff champs <laughs> in that one game. Playoff <laughs> champs in that one game. <laughs> All right, I am picking at 23, and I have the Jets for a second time, which Jets. shouldn't be allowed, but I am picking for them. Uh, Too much Jets. You've addressed, I, excuse me, we've addressed as the Jets the quarterback situation with the number two pick, so let's turn to the defensive side now. Robert Sala is going to want some more talent on the defensive side, taking over as the head coach there, moving on from the 49ers. Uh and they could go with an edge rusher. They could go with a cornerback. Um, but I'm going to read off who their corners are, and it's Bless, Austin, and Bryce Hall. I don't <laughs> know who they are. I don't know who either of those two guys are. Sounds like it's time to invest a first-round pick in a top corner, and he is available there. It's Greg Newsom the second out of Northwestern. Uh, he's got good size, long limbs, six foot, uh, almost 200 pounds. And the Jets get better, basically. They take a, a top-ranked player, one of the best corners in this draft, at 23. And maybe, just maybe, things start to turn around for the New York Football Jets. I like that pick. Newsom's very solid. I think he's, uh, of the, the corners, I think one of the last probably sure thing first-round picks. I th As you mentioned, uh, I think, Tim, earlier, all the receivers, 13 receivers, taken the first two rounds last year. Someone's got to cover all these guys, and so I think you've seen in recent years a lot bigger investment in defensive backs, and that's why Marlon Humphrey is getting paid what he's getting paid, and Marcus Peters is getting paid what he's getting paid, so on and so forth. So I like it a lot. I think Salah will like it a lot. We saw what he can do with, you know, pretty solid, but not overly spectacular uh, defensive group, in, or in the back end at least, in San Francisco. So to, to get a, a first-round kind of blue-chip guy I think would be great. Which brings us to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey, right? this is what happens. I have to pick for uh, Washington. I have to pick for Tennessee. You have to pick for Pittsburgh. Because we get the Ravens picks, we have to pick for these yeah, awful, awful franchises. Uh, uh, and, and this is an interesting pick because 
they can go a number of ways. I'm afraid of I'm afraid of the direction that Jace is going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers here. By the way, because he's going to be good at it. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, so I'm looking at basically three names. Marquise Pouncey retired, so they need a center. So Landon Dickerson is high on the list. Um, they also just need offensive linemen. Period. So Tevin Jenkins is also under consideration. Um. But I am, I've done a few mocks for them, and I think I am going to go a little off the board. Um, not really. He's, you know, on this NFL list we have, he is currently the second highest rated player available. I'm sending the Steelers Najee Harris running back out of the University of Alabama. Um... They have they lost James Conner. He is think of the previous. broken tackles. Just think of the broken tackles, Jace. I know. They have lost James Conner, but they were deplorable at running the ball. And yes, you have to improve your offensive line, but you also need a running back who can give you anything if your offensive line's going to suck. And I think Najee is, um, and I think part of this too is a personal choice i like running backs still i you know i've i've shared many other old man opinions on this podcast already today and one of them is i still see value in taking a running back in the first round especially if he's the talent of Najee harris i mean this guy was fifth in the heisman uh trophy you know uh voting this year he i believe broke an alabama rushing touchdown record um had one of the more prolific uh, non-Derrick Henry seasons in Alabama football history running the ball. Um, and I think just is kind of the guy who just... The, the size, too, for what he does. He's 6'1", 232. And Antonio mentioned the broken tackles. I, you know, I, I worry about our friend Patrick Queen, who is shorter than this running back. Um and probably lighter as well. <laughs> uh, and I, I just really like Najee Harris a lot. I don't want him to go to the Steelers because I, I really, I think he's a, he's, he's a, a very like outgoing guy, very funny. Uh, I think very, you know, smart player, kind player, uh, great player. And I don't want him on the Steelers <laughs> because of all these reasons. I want him to succeed outside of there. But I, I think they just need to revamp their running game. Um, and yeah, you could argue maybe I should have given them Dickerson or Jenkins. I still don't know what to do with Dickerson. There's some people don't seem to think of him as a first, some do, but yeah, I know I rambled, but Najee Harris is the pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers with the 24th choice. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, the way you can find running backs nowadays, I don't know if it's necessarily worth taking one of the first, but if they think that guy can be a difference maker for them. Um, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, no James Conner there anymore. There's a hole there. And maybe it's not just – maybe it is just filling it, and that's fine. But if you can find a guy that's a real dynamic difference maker, Derrick Henry, you know, that makes a that makes a massive difference for you. That changes yeah. the well, identity and, of your team. And I think to your point there, like, Derrick Henry was a second-round pick. And I think, like, running backs – they don't matter, but they also do matter if you have a really good one. And, and I think that, like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't use uh, the fourth overall pick. But I think in a different world, like, ten years ago, even Najee Harris probably is, like, the tenth pick in this draft. And, oh, 100%. And and look, know. like, it's not the best example because one was undrafted and then one was a second rounder. But look what, look what Gus and J.K. Dobbins bring to this offense. And... You can argue plug and play, but we saw J.K. Dobbins compared to Mark Ingram on his on his last legs in this final season, and and having that guy. And look, maybe the argument you can shout at me through the podcast world is, well, you could get him in the second round. You could find somebody like that in the second round. Sure, fine. But if you think that the other guys that you wanted are gone, you're in Pod like a Ravenland, so you can't trade out. We're not doing trade outs, and this is a guy that fits your offense. I think that's a good move. Now. Back to me, I'm picking for the Jaguars again, and they have James Robinson, who, again, undrafted guy or seventh-round <laughs> right. guy, maybe, who ended up being a massive impact for them. So I'm not necessarily going to go Travis Etienne and line him up with uh, Trevor Lawrence, at quarterback, even though you know that would be fun. It would be fun to just bring that college combo back. But th- I think James Robinson proved already that he's a very 
uh, serviceable player. And I'm going to break Jace's heart again just from a Ravens point okay. of view because we are trying to be – we're trying to be, you know – objective as best we can as Ravens fans doing this mock draft and a man who keeps popping up in the mocks for the Ravens now that they've traded Orlando Brown is Tevin Jenkins oh no (laughs) the problem is they the Jaguars just drafted their franchise quarterback at number one and looking at ourlads.com and the uh, depth chart that they have here I can name all of one of their offensive linemen And that's their left tackle, Cam Robinson. Outside of that, I don't know who any of these guys are. Get this guy who is an absolute road grader who would probably fit well in the Ravens offense, to be completely honest. And I'm picking him at 25. Uh, You know, come Thursday night, I'm going to be crossing my fingers, hoping that he he doesn't go here and that he falls two more picks to 27. But I think Tevin Jenkins is, when when you put this much investment in Lawrence, this guy... Is you know we've already had some offensive linemen obviously go off the board, but this guy is good enough to be picked in this range for me. Road grader, tough dude as well. You don't have to play him at left tackle immediately. You can kick him inside to guard, maybe switch him over to right tackle, and then train him to be your left tackle later. So Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State is the pick for me. Well, so you you nailed it, Tim. And, and I think in the recent days, I've settled on Te- Tevin Jenkins being, I think, actually the player I want the Ravens to draft the most. Yeah, hundred like, percent in the range, uh, certainly, or who's expected to be there. Um, and I think what I love about him and why I think he would be such a good pick for the Ravens, which unfortunately he will not be in our mock draft. But what makes him just so good is, you know, he he played right tackle. In college, like it was really, really good at it, like an all conference performer. Like you're not even asking, you know, Orlando Brown, as we know, I am a left tackle, played left tackle in college. They kicked him to right. This guy plays right tackle. There's no, there's no learning curve. He is just, he's literally what you need at an all conference level at, you know, a big school, you know, big 12. You I guess you can argue how good their defenses are, but. Uh, he he was still a top performer in a power conference um, that played a full football season last year, and he was very impressive. And he, as you mentioned, he played some left tackle too. So he's the player I think I actually wanted the most of the Ravens guys, but unfortunately he is off the board now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. All right, I'm drafting for the Browns at 26, but I want to quickly recap picks 13 through 25 now it's christian derisot 13 to the chargers micah parsons to the vikings at 14 uh i don't have the i don't have the first name in front of me awusu jc yeah you mean you need to help me with the name awusu koromora jeremiah uh, at 15 from the new to the new england patriots jalen waddle at 16 to the cardinals elijah vera tucker to the raiders at 17 terrace marshall to the Dolphins at 18, that one hurts. Caleb Farley at 19 to Washington. Christian Barmore to the Bears at 20. Quiddy Pay at 21 to the Colts. Aziz Ojolari, that hurts. 22 to the Titans. Greg Newsom the second to the Jets. Najee Harris, that one, that it just it stings. To the Steelers at 24. And Tevin Jenkins to the Jags, that doesn't help at 25. And looking at the Browns now at 26. Who boy? We should just uh, not to interrupt Antonio, but we should just say I don't know that we've said on the show. Sign Jadavion Clowney, uh, a long, <laughs> a long rumored Ravens target, uh, is in fact going to be playing opposite of Miles Garrett, and I'm sure we'll have five sacks against the Ravens next season. And Jace, oh, that's a perfect. That. It's a perfect name to mention as the Browns draft at 26. They do not have a ton of holes, and I, boy, Cleveland, how far you have come. Uh, in the last five years, I cannot see them. There's, I cannot see them drafting anybody in the offensive side of the football in the first round. There's just not really a need there. And ten, maybe, of the eleven spots defensively, they could add some depth. And I think that the addition of Jadeveon Clowney shows that they feel they have a need uh, opposite Miles Garrett rushing the quarterback. Jadeveon Clowney could have ten sacks. He could have zero sacks, just like he had last season. So I think the Browns consider depth behind him, and there are two names at this point to look at, and boy is it a fun case study of what the Browns choose to do. One is Jason Owe out of Penn State. He is all potential, 
and recorded all of zero sacks last season. <laughs> and the second name is Jalen Phillips out of Miami. Not the same sort of, uh, you know, Pro Bowl ceiling, but had eight sacks for Miami in the ACC last season. So what do they choose here? Do they choose potential or do they choose a solid solid statistics, a solid player? And because this is depth, because they added Jadavion Clowney, I think they go for the guy who can become something really great. And it would be a pretty Browns move to draft an edge guy who had zero sacks last season. So it's Jason <laughs> Owe out of Penn State. Uh, the Browns taking him at 26 and hope he develops behind Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. I like it. Uh, well, as you said, it makes sense, but there are just both of these guys, because Phillips uh, medically retired briefly from football before transferring to Miami. So that's a concern about his long-term uh, health. Um but as you said, put up better numbers. So you have that concern with him, and then you have this potential. But what's frustrating about this pick for me, from a Ravens perspective, is I do think a guy like Oway will succeed because I say what you want about the guy. Miles Garrett's damn talented, and he will forever take the attention of uh, the team's primary blockers with the, the certainly when the Ravens play the Browns and that's would seemingly free up a guy who has all the potential, but maybe just needs help putting it together to get, see a lot of one-on-ones and stuff and potentially get that sack number up. So I like the pick. It makes sense for the Browns. Uh, it's just frustrating as a Ravens fan. And speaking of the Ravens, they are finally on Wait, the clock. Hold on. Hold on. Ready? Do, 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 do. So, there's a number of positions we can take this in. Um, as we mentioned, uh, a guy like um, Tevin Jenkins is off the board, but guys like him, Jalen Mayfield, the Pittsburgh or uh, Pittsburgh, uh, the Michigan right tackle, um, who, like, I do not... He's very low on NFL's list for some reason, but I've seen him frequently mocked in the latter half of the first round. Um, basically, right tackle replacements for Orlando Brown. You could go center. Landon Dickerson is on the board. He is uh, the number one ranked center by many uh, accounts. Um, the aforementioned Jalen Phillips and also Miami's Gregory Russo are potential options. Um both edge rushers. Russo opted out of last season, but had, I believe, 17 sacks uh, in his most recent uh, 2019 uh, campaign. So that's um, intriguing. Uh, Certainly, uh, Ravens have not drafted a player with that much uh, production. It was 15 and a half sacks in 2019 and 19 and a half tackles for loss. The Ravens have not drafted a player with that much collegiate production since one Terrell Suggs at the sacks uh, range. But... Uh, I think I am going to indulge, uh, my, uh, wants and desires for this Ravens team that I've been screaming about for, um, a while. And I, uh, with the 27th pick, the Baltimore Ravens are selecting, uh, Rashad Bateman, um, wide receiver out of Minnesota. And I will caveat this. I may have reached on Terrace Marshall, so I will not, absolutely not be shocked if we see an inverse of Bateman go a few picks before, and Marshall being the guy that's around here. But it seems by most mocks, one of Rashad Bateman or Terrace Marshall will um, be around. I have concerns about both, um, but I think I have less about Bateman. He was really, really good in 2019, and the 2020 season was weird. He, like, opted out, and but then came back, but then I think got COVID. It was a very strange season for him. Um, and Minnesota had an incredible 2019. They won 11 games, and they, they kind of cratered last season. So, um, But, you know, different kind of receiver, I think, than a Hollywood Brown. I think that's also important. Uh, Bateman, six feet tall, um, 190. Uh, very talented, very productive uh, in his time in Minnesota. And I don't know that you 
make a move to shut the fans up, but this would certainly uh, shut the fans up. Yeah, just for reference, Bateman in 2019, 60 catches, uh, 1,200 yards, and 11 touchdowns, and he averaged 20 yards a reception. Um, and those figures all backslid last year, but he only played five games, and it was a, a weird season. So, um, I yeah, I don't know what you guys think of these receiver prospects or what the Ravens might do, but I would be over the moon if they get Rashad Bateman in some way, I think. I'm dancing in the hallway of my apartment <laughs> complex if Rashad Bateman falls to 27. At first, when I was looking stuff up, uh, you know, I was a little, eh, I don't know, maybe he doesn't do it. And then the more you read about him, he's big, he's physical, he can catch everything in his radius. Nate Tice, who on the Athletic Football Show, you should listen to that podcast if you don't, after listening to this one, rates Rashad Bateman as the number one receiver in this class. Ahead of Jamar Chase, ahead of Devontae uh, Smith, ahead of Jalen Waddell. And guess what the Ravens have never had, or never drafted, I should say, because, you know, <laughs> shout out Anquan Bolden. Physical, dominant receiver who can play on the inside and out. Give me Rashad Bateman all day and twice on Sunday, baby. I would be so excited to see him in Ravens purple. Yeah, the uh, the NFL recap of him uh, has this very... Um line that makes me quite excited uh bateman plays with pro ready hands and the upper body agility needed to adjust in air and bring the ball in <laughs> that sounds right sure yes yes please I, I thank you that. yeah and I, I think you know we've talked about helping lamar and i think in lieu of a a tevin jenkins because i think he is probably the standout right tackle if he's gone I think if Jenkins was on the board, he would have been my pick at the spot. But with him uh, not being there, um, I, I think, you know, uh, you, it's hard to even call Bateman a consolation prize because I think he's quite good. And as I said, I'm not going to be absolutely stunned if he goes earlier and we're talking ourselves into Terrace Marshall in this uh, space earlier. But Marshall, you know, a bigger guy he's uh, than Bateman. He's 6'3", um, or 6'2", 205, but... Uh, so that's intriguing with him is and but you know we've drafted tall and fast receivers before so I want the more kind of I guess possession uh, solid hands just steady guy versus the the flash um, so yeah Rashad Bateman might right. if, if the Ravens open the 2021 season with Hollywood Brown Rashad Bateman Sammy Watkins and Mark Andrews as four offensive I mean I I, would I don't be, hate uh, it. Yeah, I don't hate I, it. I would be accepting of that. All right, let's move to pick 28. I have the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, a new era for the New Orleans Saints because Drew Brees is no longer there. And uh, according to rlads.com, who does really good depth charts, Taysom Hill is the starter. I don't think that's going to happen, <laughs> but, you know, we'll see. I think it's famous Jameis time down in New Orleans, but we should, find, we should see. This is interesting for me. Um, I think the Saints – do need to go defense. I think all the corners are gone. So for me, I'm taking a guy who the ringer compares to Chandler Jones, rushing the passer. As Jace mentioned before, some severe injury concerns. But a if there was no injury concerns, this guy's going top half of the first round, maybe even top ten, and that's Jalen Phillips out of Miami. Uh, the guy, 6'5", 266 pounds, He's got big, long arms, power. He can defend the run, get after the passer. Down on his down on his hands or standing at a two-point, he can go move inside too. Just the type of pass rusher that you want. And guess what? Guess what the Saints could not do in the playoffs? Get after Tom Brady. This guy would allow them to do that in the playoffs if they get there. And at, at 28, you're taking the talent. And, yeah, there's probably going to be some injury risks, but you can take the risk for lack of a better term there, uh, late in the first round. So give me Jalen Phillips out of Miami there. I like it, and I like that I get to draft for the Packers. this. I think I had them last year when we did our mocks as well. And, and you took so Jordan much, Love, right? It was, so, <laughs> it was so much fun because, yeah, I pretended like they had a need at wide receiver and tried to address it, and then they drafted a quarterback instead. So here we are again. Uh, fast forward, the quarter, the starting quarterback that they had before they drafted a quarterback in the first round has since won the MVP, uh, and they could still, even with that type of season, 
could still use help at wide receiver as a number two uh, opposite Devontae Adams. Do they do that this year? No. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think they do. With the number of receivers off the board, I think that the Packers are still sort of having nightmares about that game against the Bucks, where outside of Jair Alexander, their corners could not cover anything. And so I think they reach just a little bit and take Tyson Campbell, the corner out of Georgia, who has the size, he has the physical tools, but needs to work on some of the technique and we can feel Aaron Rodgers roll his eyes all the way from wherever he is with Shailene Woodley. Uh, with the Packers, again, not trying to help him in the first round of the NFL draft. So they take Tyson Campbell, the corner, to replace, uh, hopefully, Kevin King, who I have never seen one guy get burned so many times uh, he, in one game. He might have had, like, the worst championship game any player has... Uh ever had (laughs) he was it was rough um with the bills the afc uh runner-ups in 2020 who ousted your baltimore ravens um they have a number of needs i'm intrigued by travis Etienne, just what he could do to further enhance that offense um but i think they need uh you know, I think the Bills will, uh, we will find that similarly have a Chiefs problem um, going forward, much like the Ravens. Uh, and how do you, how do you stop Patrick Mahomes? I actually like the Bills secondary is quite good, um, but they need to revamp that pass rush. You know, Jerry Hughes is getting up there. Um, so I am going to go with one of the last kind of guys uh, I think we, we regularly have seen in mocks um, along the defensive line kind of... Um, uh, going in the first round. And so I am selecting Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. The Afro, uh, we mentioned him, uh, his 15 and a half sacks. Um, monster, 6'6", uh, a little on the lighter side, 266, but six foot six, huge length. Um, definitely still a project in some ways. Opted out last season. Um, but I think, you know, you get him with uh, Sean McDermott up there. I, I think they could turn him uh, potentially into a, a really scary uh, pass rusher um, and could really help out um, in their pressure and yeah as I said just everyone in the AFC it's how do you beat the Chiefs and one of the ways is to put Patrick Mahomes on the ground as we saw in the Super Bowl and he was chased around cra- crazily by Shaq Barrett and uh, uh, you know all the Devin White and all those guys so uh, Jason uh, JPP etc and so um, yeah I'm going with Gregory Russo I think just uh, for the Bills Bills Mafia uh, you know, beef up the defensive line there. So that is my pick at number 30 and my last selection of this mock draft. Uh, And the Ravens are back on the clock. (laughs) Yeah, they are. And um, I didn't want to pick for the Ravens. I don't like doing this. It just scares me. You know, it hurts. I I watched, I watched the NFL draft. I followed Twitter along, even though it spoils some picks sometimes. As soon as the Ravens pick comes up, I delete everything and just sit there in the fetal position waiting for 15 minutes or whatever it is now, 10 minutes for them to, you know, trade out eventually but this is where i have some issues i'm down to two different people and let i I won't let you know who but we'll start with candidate number one and of course i'm going into the middle of the offensive line and it's landon dickerson out of alabama everything you read about landon dickerson absolute unit according to the ringer.com massive legs long arms and a rotund wide upper half That's what I need out of my center. (laughs) The guy was uh, the Remington Trophy Award winner as the nation's top center. Five-star recruit. Played at Alabama. I know Ozzie's gone. They still love Alabama and Oklahoma. They're going to draft those schools religiously. He plays with a sumo wrestler's leverage and is a brick wall at the point of attack. Exactly what you want. But he suffered four season-ending injuries in five college seasons after being a transfer from Florida State to Alabama. Four of five. That's a concern. Knee ligament damage in the SEC title game this year. Tore his ACL in 2016. Two different ankle injuries in 2017 and 2018 that have ended his season. And for me, I know in my last pick when I picked Jalen Phillips, I said you take the risk there. Four or five seasons ending on IR, essentially, in NFL terms, is a bit too much for me. And I think, 
you know, again, ideal world, maybe they trade back. I think a guy like Creed, excuse me, Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, a, another school the Ravens love, could be there later. I was going to say, the two best centers in this draft probably are from Oklahoma, or from Alabama and Oklahoma. <laughs> Quinn, and and I, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, Jace, Quinn Myers. I think that's right. I, I've uh, He's one I've only seen it written. Okay. All right. Fair. <laughs> so we'll find out on draft night then. Either, yeah. The center out of Wisconsin, Whitewater, who stole the senior ball and then had the Instagram videos of him blocking pieces of wood and blocking trees. <laughs> I mean, sign me up for that guy in the third round, please. Um, so instead, and Ravens fans are going to hate this because all they want is offense nowadays. I'm going to the defensive side of the ball. Because my favorite player of all time is a ball-hawking safety who's an instinctive playmaker and can make every single play. This guy will probably never be anywhere near that guy because that guy I'm mentioning, Ed Reed, is the best defensive player of all time. Don't at me. Trayvon Morig, out of TCU, can play as a slot corner, can play as a safety in both positions, can do it all. Uh, Last season... 21 pass deflections, seven interceptions, two forced fumble. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. His performance capped a career. I should have read that before I uh, read it out here. In three seasons, in three seasons, not just one, 21 pass deflections, seven picks, two forced fumbles, and 125 tackles at the college level. An, an IQ through the roof. The guy just makes plays. And for Wink Martindale, you can play him wherever you want. Look, this is a Chuck Clark podcast. We like the Sean Elliott as well. Made a key play in the playoff game. But they don't make enough plays at the safety position. They simply don't. And Trayvon Morig could be a guy that could do that. And, you know, Wink's a creative dude. Maybe you play all three of them at the same time. We saw what happened with secondary issues last year. We thought we had all these guys. All of a sudden, Jimmy Smith is hurt. Uh, Tavon Young is hurt for the entire year. And then they're bringing out Devontae Harris in the defensive secondary. And that's a problem for the Ravens. So for me, Trayvon Morig out of TCU is is my final pick. And if the Ravens stay there, their pick at 31. I, I really like this, Tim. I, I, I think he certainly – It's a, I can't see Morrig falling out of the first round, so I'm glad we got him in uh, to the first round. And I think you're right. I think safety is kind of an underrated um, – area of need for the Ravens you know you mentioned just the playmaking they didn't they didn't have an interception from safeties until the last game of the regular season when Chuck picked off it was a Ryan Finley I don't even know who the Bengals were playing by that point so uh, you know that you just need more there and we've said we were spoiled by Ed Reed picking off eight to 12 passes a year for a decade but um you know you don't have to be that good. As you said, Ed Reed has an argument to be one of the, you know, five best defensive players of all time. But, uh, um, but, but they just need, they need more production from there. And, and I think you're completely right. Like I, I, you can't rely on Tavon Young at this point and you can't rely. I love Jimmy Smith, but he, he's going to miss four games minimum. Like that's just his, been his entire career. And he's on the other side of 30 now anyway. Um, so I think this I think this is a really good pick, and I, I think you're completely right. I think Ravens fans will be furious that they leave the first round without an offensive lineman, of, uh, or especially if they end up if they go like D line safety, <laughs> that would that would drive people I think completely insane. It wouldn't be bad. Like if say like they take a Greg Russo at seventeen or twenty seven or whatever. Because someone's got to rush the passer for this team, too. That is still a giant area of concern, even uh, with this draft we have just engaged in, which I feel good about. I would love Bateman and Morig would be in a fantastic first round if the Ravens stayed put and took both. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's a really good pick. I, uh, I would be a huge fan if they were able to pick him up. He's just one of the more dynamic safeties. Probably, the, you know, everyone else kind of a corner, one of the probably the top pure safeties in this draft. Yeah, I, I like that pick as well. It sort of seems like the classic, like, sneaky Ravens pick where everybody <laughs> sort of uh, corners them into one need or one or two things that they need to do, and then they just go, no, we're taking this guy because he's a really, really good football player. Um, so I, I certainly like that at 31, and I am picking last at 32 for the Super Bowl-winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I a team, they won. <laughs> I, it's, yeah, uh, a team without a lot of holes uh, so I went to a few different places when trying to decide what to do at 32. Travis Etienne is still on, on our board. Uh, 
a playmaking running back who they could get at 32, but they have, you know, Leonard Fournette, who they're just waiting for playoff time for him. They have Ronald Jones <laughs> behind him, so it seems like not, you know, getting a third running back in that room seems a little, maybe a little bit too much for them in the first round. Then I turn to Zaven Collins, who is the uh, the Nagurski winner as the best defensive player out of Tulsa. Um, and that's just sort of a depth move. Yeah, they have uh, Devin White is 23 years old, but Levante David is 31, and he's only signed through 2022. So you could go with him and, and have him as a depth play, but I think they go to the offensive line. I think Tom Brady is 75 years old. <laughs> and where you can add depth uh, at a position to protect him, you see a guy like Landon Dickerson who's still available. That The health concerns aren't as big of a deal to you because this is a depth piece. This is a guy you want to develop. Behind Ryan Jensen, the legendary ex-Raven who was only signed for one more season. This will be his last year with the Bucks unless they re-sign him. So I think they look at who is their center of the future, basically. Who is their center for two years from now when Tom Brady is, uh, you know, still slinging it back there. So they take Landon Dickerson at 32 over Travis Etienne and Zayvon Collins. It's Landon Dickerson center at 32 to close out round number one. And I'm going to read through those last few picks before we do sort of a, a last review here. Um, I believe we're at the Browns. Yes, at 26. So it's Jason Owe at 26 to the Browns. Rashad Bateman, wide receiver to the Ravens at 27. Jalen Phillips to the Saints at 28. Tyson Campbell to the Packers at 29. Greg Russo to the Bills at 30. Trevon Morig, 31, to the Ravens. And then Landon Dickerson, 32, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Guys, we're looking at this full list now. Anything, uh, any notes on this that you uh, that you like, that you hate? Things you, w- uh, you wish you could have had back, maybe. Uh, I, I think I probably put Marshall too high. I I, I, uh, I think part of that was probably wanting Bateman to fall. I don't think Marshall will probably go before the twenties, but it'll be fascinating because there are a few names we didn't mention, like a guy like Kadarius Tony, who's kind of seen his stock uh, arise a little bit during the process. Who um, we don't have going. Like you said, it would not shock me if a team like the Bucks or the Bills, a team that doesn't have a lot of holes, takes a guy like Travis Etienne uh, if, uh, or Najee Harris if both are on the board. Um, overall, I really like our draft. I think I think we we did a really good job. I think most of these guys are going to end up being first-round picks, I hope. Uh, you know, maybe like you, we mentioned Zayvon Collins. He might be another guy who sneaks in uh, to the first round because um, there, there are some teams where he would make some sense. But, yeah, on the whole, I, I, think, I think we have a pretty good – and specifically as it pertains to the Ravens, I would really be pleased with this Bateman uh, Morig uh, pairing. I'm a little surprised, you know, they didn't end up with a lineman, but that's how the draft goes. You can't, uh, you, it, it's uh, other people have to pick before you can pick. So, uh, you know, in a perfect world, they'd probably draft you know, Tevin Jenkins, Aziz uh, Ojolari, uh, Rashad Bateman, and Trevon Morgan, <laughs> but <laughs> we we can't have it all. So, yeah, I, I, I really liked our draft. I thought this was really fun. Yeah, Jeez. that's K- Kadarius Tony is who I had going to the Packers until I decided that they don't want Aaron Rodgers to have nice uh. things. So, uh, a corner it is. <laughs> yeah, my, my first thought um, with the Ravens stuff is th- these picks, I love Bateman and I love Morig this would make the almost force the Ravens to maybe even have to reach or work some magic to, to move back up for an offensive lineman and pass rusher later in the draft. Uh, maybe they think, excuse me, maybe they think like a Dennis Kelly and Justin Houston combo on May after May 3rd can solve those issues. And then they have some young guys to fill in and, and maybe that's the way they do it. So for me, I think, I would be very happy, but Ravens Twitter would be very mad if these were the picks because there was no offensive lineman. There was no – the Ravens drafted another receiver in the first round. We don't know if he's going to turn out, yada, yada, yada. But we'll see. And, again, I still don't think the Ravens are going to make two first-round picks. I think they should <laughs> because I think the fifth-year option thing that we talked about before is very important. I think they should – if they like two guys at 27 and 31, 
stay there and make those picks. I don't think they will, but you know, that's that's Ravens football for you. In terms of the dra- I, in terms of the draft overall, sorry, just quickly, Jace. I think the quarterbacks the quarterbacks are going to change this entire thing. I mean, Mac Jones going 9 and Justin Fields going 7 completely moved a bunch of stuff around. Um well, it, and that might be late for them. It might it might but, be late. Yeah, it's ter- if teams move up, if teams move up to 4, if teams move up to 8, uh, if you know if Fields is still there, if teams move up to six and the Dolphins, who love trading draft picks, trade back <laughs> again, you know all these things could happen. If if Mac Jones goes three and Trey Lance starts to fall, maybe people make moves for him. That could change everything around. That being said, though, I, I'm with Jace. It when I first you know I, I did a couple mocks beforehand, and, and my overall image this is is pretty different from that. But at the same time, the more I look at it, the more we talk through some things, um, I could see this making sense. Um, you know, a couple of picks that stand out to me, Micah Parsons at 14 for the Vikings, I think is an absolute steal for them. I love that. Quiddy Pay all the way down to 21. You've seen him going um, earlier than that, I think is great. And then, um, yeah, Rash- Rashad Bateman at 27 is a pretty nice pick there by Mr. Evans as well. All right, so that is our first round. We will have that on Twitter for you uh, to review and to to quiz us on later with the draft coming up in just a few days. We are going to talk all about the draft, the results, I should say, of the draft next week. We have been doing every other week, but of course we will be back in just a week to go over who the Ravens have picked, what what ended up going going down in those first 10 picks, which are going to be fascinating. I am not normally as into the draft as I am this year just based on how many different things could happen with these quarterbacks Uh, and we will be bringing it all to you next week but the only thing left to do now besides hope and pray that the Ravens draft future Hall of Famers is have Jace read us the random Raven clues one more time and then we'll get out of here Jace can you go over those clues one more time for that offensive lineman that I still do not know who it is yeah, not a future uh, Hall of Famer, this guy. Um, this offensive lineman was drafted by the Ravens in the third round of the 2011 NFL Draft. The UCF product, Central Florida, spent four seasons with the Ravens, appearing in 39 games. However, he made just seven starts for Baltimore, though they all came during the Ravens' 2012 Super Bowl winning season, and just in the, uh, the regular season, I should add. Um... His number 76 has not been worn in a game by a Ravens player since his departure, though apparently it was assigned to Andre Smith, who I had forgotten the Ravens had signed but opted out of last uh, season. Um, And then our final clue, uh, cut by the Ravens in September 2015, this player spent two more seasons in the NFL playing with the Kansas City Chiefs where he made 11 starts. See, I did not think he would have made 11 starts for the KC Chiefs, but I know who this is. And the 76, at first I thought O'Neal Cousins, but then he was 64. And 76 got me, and this is just, again, I don't know where, I don't know where this is in the back of my head, and that file could probably be replaced with something way more important. But it's Ja Reed. Ja Reed is the Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You know, you said it in the, the second time you said it, Jace, the the regular season thing is a huge key because he did not start in the playoffs when that offensive line was solidified. Uh, but, yeah, he made all those starts in the regular yeah, season. Because the best I remember it, Brian McKinney basically spent that entire season being, like, essentially too fat to play yep. for, like, John Harbaugh. But then they cleared him for the playoffs. And, then, he, and then they made a run. Sucked. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he was their left tackle. And who had been their left tackle, I think, was Michael Orr, who they kicked back to the right side, moved Coleccio Simile back from right tackle over to left guard, was his natural position. And then, yeah, Ja Reed to the bench. <laughs> ja Reed, I feel like, was the lineman of the future for the every year that he was on the Ravens until he I wasn't was on the Ravens anymore. completely stunned to find out he was a third-round pick. Because I just remember him being around on the Ravens, like you said, yeah, like... It's like, oh, will Jai Reed play? It's like, well, he keep having injuries and he keeps not playing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I kind of lucked into the theme of uh, tackle going from the Ravens to the Chiefs. I did not, uh, but I wanted to go with an offensive lineman, and he was 
he's always the first random guy that pops in my head. I don't know why. I think his name has always made me jaw. Jaw Reed. It's just it's just one of those guys from that time and place of classic Ravens wrap up days. So yeah, Jaw Reed this week's random. That is Raven. Uh, that is a fantastic no, choice. Yeah, no playing memories. Um, to speak of, you just kind of had to like have followed the team for those four years. My only <laughs> memory is is like a holding call being made against him and him just shaking his head as the offense moves ten yards backwards. Jaw Reed, fantastic, Jace. All right. That will do it for us. Again, we will be back next week to recap the 2021 NFL Draft with the Ravens having two first-round picks for now. We will be back to discuss it and see what what goes down. For Jace Evans and Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera. Thanks for listening to us, as always. We will see you next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.